0: Hello and welcome to Push Your Peak with me, Louise Minchin. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the world's most incredible sports people who've achieved extraordinary things. I'll be finding out what it takes, both physically and mentally, to surpass what you think the human body is capable of and achieve your goals. As these people share their stories, I hope you take away the belief that you too can achieve your goals, no matter how big or small. Today, my guest is England and Manchester City captain, Steph Houghton. Since her international debut in 2007, Steph has made more than 100 appearances for the England national team and is a true role model in women's football. She's been England captain since 2014 and has led the Lionesses through two World Cups and Euro competitions. Steph became a household name during the London 2012 Olympics by scoring in all three group matches, including the winning goals against New Zealand and Brazil. At club level, Steph has lifted seven trophies with Manchester City, three FA Cups, three Continental Cups, and the FA Women's Super League title, and she's been named the club's Player of the Year twice. In 2016, Steph was appointed an MBE for services to football. Steph, lovely to see you. And
1: I think you must be in what looks like your trophy room. Yeah, in the spare room with all the shirts and all the trophies. So, yeah, I thought I'd do it today.
0: (laughs) Oh, no, but it's lovely. I I always love doing a podcast when you can actually see your guests because, you know, it's nice to get a bit of insight, isn't it? Which is your favourite trophy of all of those, all all the shirts behind you?
1: Probably the the bronze medal for the World Cup. I think that's going to be my favourite one. Yeah. And is it nice? I, I love a medal. Is it nice and heavy
0: as well yeah. as being your favourite?
1: I think I nearly lost it at one point. I think when you're celebrating, it just kind of just gets obviously on the pitch. But I actually managed to find it again. So yeah, it's in there.
0: That would be devastating, wouldn't it? I'd be devastated.
1: Yeah, fortunate enough between me and Stephen, we've won quite a lot. So
0: <laughs> you really have, haven't you? So we've got so much to talk to you about. I will start. I think probably the best place to start you know, so many trophies, etc. between you and you're kind of like a power couple as a football (laughs) couple as well, aren't you? Do you feel like
1: that sometimes? Oh, God, no, it's so normal. It's, you would, I would never ever describe us as a power couple.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I will, I think you are. So tell me, take us back. Steph is a little girl. Was football always what you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, I always knew that it was kind of a going to be part of my life obviously back then there wasn't really that many women's teams around or there wasn't really an ambition to be a professional footballer because ultimately there wasn't that many teams I think maybe in America you could get a scholarship and play over there but I think when I was growing up I just absolutely loved it so it was just always kind of part of my life whether it was playing it in the street playing it at school going to watch Sunderland games watching football on telly so I knew I'd always be a part of it somewhere, but I didn't know it would be this kind of extreme and to this extent, really.
0: I mean, yeah, exactly. There's this one thing being part of it, and there's quite another being captain of the England team. Did you ever kind of, you know, in your wildest dreams, did you think that could happen?
1: No, never really. I think obviously when I started to play and as things kind of progressed, and I was getting, obviously made my debut in the, the senior team for England. I think for me, it was just all about trying to stay in the squad and trying to, be a part of an England team that's going to get even better over the next few years. So no, I never really imagined it. And obviously, when I got asked or got given the captaincy, it was obviously a bit of a shock because of my age and obviously probably a lack of experience. But ultimately, yeah, I've loved every minute of it, and it's a real privilege to obviously play for your country, but also be captain of the team as well.
0: Yeah, we'll I'll come to that in, the, in a minute. But I just take you back to. Uh, so when you first started out, and I know you used to have, you know, you were playing in with, with the boys, weren't you? Because that's what, where you had to play.
1: Yeah, our first team was actually my school team, my primary school team, which was mixed and there was me and my cousin that were the only girls on the team. But yeah, I'm forever grateful for being able to do that. Obviously, a lot of girls have been able to be stopped playing football because of the gender and I've been fortunate enough that my school were really helpful in that sense and really pushed me to play any sport, really, not just football. And I think that's probably where I get my competitiveness from is probably because you obviously want to beat the boys, you want to be better than them. And no, I think that part of my journey is always kind of something special because I've been able to live that. And I think that's what brings out the best of me over the last few years, especially in my career.
0: You talk about being pushed by the school. So could it have been another sport, for example, that you would have gone into, do you think?
1: Yeah, maybe. I absolutely love cricket. Obviously, the the village that I'm from at home is pretty much a village that plays football and cricket. And on a Saturday, the whole day would revolve around everybody going to watch the cricket team play in the afternoon. And yeah, I think I loved absolutely every sport. But if I was going to pick another sport, it probably would have been cricket. Yeah.
0: Oh, that would be so interesting, wouldn't it? I mean, I suppose it's too late, isn't it? Probably. Or would you ever consider... (laughs)
1: I mean, I like the fact that they play in the summer, that's pretty good. So I mean (laughs) following the sun. But yeah, a few of the girls love love cricket, to be fair. I think there's be a few kind of would like to do that, but ultimately I think football just kind of takes precedence over them anyway.
0: So talk about pushing yourself. I I guess, you know, when you're those early days when you're, you know, playing in the boys having to play in the boys team. Did you feel sometimes because I think there's a There's sometimes a feeling that as a woman, and this might be entirely wrong from your point of view, you kind of feel you have to be better than the boys, for example, to earn your space. Did you feel that?
1: Yeah, to be honest, I think like at first, but I don't know, I I just knew I had something a little bit different to other girls. And I think when you're starting to get picked for the team, so like on the break time, you always used to play a -a five-a-side and when you start getting picked before a lad, then it's like, right, Okay. they actually think I'm actually all right, to be fair. So I think I do get that in the sense that you kind of need to prove a point that you're actually good enough. And I think I've always wanted to win and I've always wanted to be competitive. So I think that kind of comes out in the way that I play now. But back then it definitely did. And I think that's probably to kind of prove a point that I actually really belong as much as any boy on that top yard in school yeah
0: more than a little bit useful I'd say and talk about that decision to turn pro because I mean that must have been such an exciting thing to be able to do
1: yeah I mean obviously in England the first pro contracts were our England central contracts which obviously the FA provided and allowed the girls to train full-time so a lot of the the time when we were out I think I was 16 17 this is when this was happening A lot of the girls worked full time. They would train after work. They travel wherever. They'd train with the clubs twice a week. And I think we all knew that if you wanted to be a good team, it was about being professional. So, as a 16, 17 year old, to be offered a contract and to be able to concentrate on football and alongside my studies at sixth form and at university was obviously really helpful. And I think at that time, For me as an athlete, it really helped me in my development because I was kind of one of the first ones that went through that full-time football in this country. And I think that's why we have gone so good over the last few years because of that investment and that early part of the investment to allow a lot of the players that are part of the senior squad to kind of train as a full-time athlete and really concentrate on the football
0: I'm interested if a young Steph could have sort of had those kind of role models, which you are clearly now, aren't you? And you can, you know, everybody, everybody knows your name. You know, we all watch you. We all celebrate when you celebrate, commiserate when you have to, for example. But would it it have made, I mean, I don't think it would have, from what I know of you, have made a difference if you'd had a role model like yourself.
1: Yeah, I think because being a female, you can kind of relate a little bit more in terms of the journey that they're going to go on and kind of how you're feeling. and obviously. The changes in your life so yeah I think it would have helped in a way but I think for me I mean my role models were David Beckham, Steven Gerrard, Kevin Phillips so and they're unbelievable players so I couldn't really ask much more of people in terms of football but I think obviously now there's a lot of role models in women's football and women's sport in general who can kind of relate a little bit easier to the journeys and and the struggles that they may have gone on to get where they are so I think in hindsight, it would have been good. But ultimately, for me, it never really affected us. But I'm glad mm. that young girls have got that opportunity to look up to a lot of different role models over a lot of different sports.
0: I love the way you always mention David Beckham.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not only just because he's good looking, but obviously because of his football talents.
0: <laughs> That's exactly why I like him. It's to do with the football. <laughs> Tell me, when you meet your, you know, your kind of heroes like that, what's that like for you?
1: Yeah, like now, even... Though I've met them probably a few times, I still get a little bit starstruck. And no, I think it's it's a different now. But when you first meet the likes of David Beckham, it's a bit like, oh, my God, I've just met my hero. Now I can always remember, obviously, after the semi-final of the World Cup in 2019, obviously, I got a phone call off him, making sure that I was OK, which was a dream come true. Just to have someone like him do that and use his time to reach out. And yeah, I'll always remember that. Yeah, I think you try and hide that. You're a little bit starstruck, but I still get the same feeling, really.
0: Can you tell when people are starstruck like that around you as well?
1: A little bit. I don't like to see myself like that. We did a little appearance the other day with a group of girls and we were coaching them and I think they just go all quiet and shy and and you're like, it's okay, like we're just normal people or whatever it might be. But it is it is cute because I think, obviously... I know how they're feeling and I think if I had met my hero back at the age of nine or ten you'd probably be a little bit like oh my god I don't really want to speak to them but you eventually come out of the shell and they kind of start being cheeky but it is a nice feeling I mean I don't see myself like that but when you see it like that I think when you do meet people that look up to you and probably know a lot about you I think it is is a special feeling that makes all the work kind of worthwhile. And let's talk about all the work because people listening to this podcast,
0: you know, and I know many of them are interested in how they push themselves, how you would, you know, how you push yourself. How is it? And there is no easy answer apart from I expect hard work. How is it you have managed to be so brilliant at what you do?
1: I think for me, it's probably consistency. I think I'd like to think that I'm a really consistent person. I stick to kind of my values and my beliefs off the pitch. And I think Obviously, my mantra on the pitch is just to kind of work as hard as I possibly can and give it absolutely everything. So I think having them simple things in my mind every single day, I think that helps a long way because managers like consistent people, they like consistent players and they like people to that want to improve and want to get better. And even though all the things that I've achieved in my career, I know that I can get even better in a lot of different departments, whether that's on and off the pitch and I think being at a club like Manchester City and being playing for England, I think I work alongside some of the best people in different areas. And I think it's about reaching out and not being afraid to have them conversations to kind of go, right, OK, I want to be pushed. I want to get better and I want to kind of have no regrets when it comes to the end of my career. And I think I've kind of had that like that attitude over the last five, six years. It's like, OK. I've been given an unbelievable opportunity to be part of Manchester City Football Club. I'm gonna use as many of their resources that I can to make sure that I can still be captain of both and I can still play as many games as I possibly can.
0: What strikes me about so much of what you said there is not to be complacent. You know, you've yeah. done incredible things, and that's what I hear from you. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I think I think the way that women's football and women's sports in general is kind of going, it's going up, up, up the competition for each of them teams that I play for is getting better and better each year. And I absolutely love my job. I love playing for the teams that I play for. And for me, I want to be a part of that and I want to be part of that success. I want to be a big part of it. I don't want to be a little part of it. And I think that's the competition side of it. I think it's like, you know, that people are going to be wanting to get your place. You know that other teams are going to have success. And for me, I'm so proud of what we do and the biggest thing is when you lift a trophy or you get a medal is that their memories are not just for me but for my family as well so I think there's a lot of different parts of how I am that I've learned a lot over the last few years and Mm. you kind of adapt and you change as much as you can but yeah I think for me it's just kind of pushing and when it comes to the end it's like okay I've done everything I possibly can.
0: With consistency I mean that's consistency presumably every day isn't it because it's turning it's not just turning up to training it's trying in training isn't it?
1: yeah, I think for me, I think that's the only thing that you can control is really your effort levels and your commitment and your professionalism. And I think a lot of the best, the best players that I've played for and the best players that I've played against and obviously relating to men and female players, they probably have that a lot. I think I look at them and I'm like, they have routine, they have structure, they have things that are like, okay, I do this every day no matter what. And I think it's how you apply yourself in all them things and even if it is a little bit of a warm-up or a cool down or whether it is a strength session. I think ultimately you can gain a lot and it might not seem at the time, but over a period of time it definitely helps.
0: As a real taking break away from me from this podcast, and many of the people we've talked to about have talked about that exactly that is like you know, sort of concentrate on everything, all the small things actually that you do, which can actually push your performance for you when you're on the pitch.
1: The way that football has gone now, I think for us, obviously everybody has an opportunity to train every single day. Back at the time when I was maybe at Arsenal, we were training more more than any of the clubs. So we had kind of won up over a lot of clubs in that sense. But now every club is applying what, say, Manchester City have done. We train full time. We get good nutrition. We get all the recovery strategies we need. We get all the best advice. So then my thing is, right, okay, well, what can we kind of get over everybody else as a player? And that's when I'm at home. It's when I'm coming home, I'm resting or I'm recovering. I'm eating the right things, like sleeping as much as I can, doing extras when I need to do them. So, yeah, I think you're kind of just like, right, okay, well, what can I do that's a bit different to everybody else? And that's something that you learn as you get a little bit older and you take advice off other people. And as you maybe do get a little bit older, you have to probably focus on different things in comparison to younger players, which is only natural.
0: Talk to me about rest and recovery. How important is that?
1: <laughs> you know, what? I do say it's a lot, but I hate resting and recovery. Even the other day I got given a day off and I was like, oh, I feel as though I should be doing something. And But I think over the last few years, it's, it is vitally important. It's obviously a demanding season, both on and off the pitch and with how popular the game's going, you do a lot of commercial stuff away from here. So it is important because it allows your body to recover, your muscles to recover, and it allows you to go again. And I think when you have major tournaments, like we do have this summer, I think them little days are going to be crucial to get prepared right over the next few months.
0: Mm, you mentioned this summer. I know that you you currently, you've got an injury at the moment, haven't you? How What, yeah. what is it and how's it going?
1: Just an Achilles injury. So yeah, at the moment it's, it's not doing too bad. It's frustrating at the same time. But I think obviously I'm in the best hands and getting looked after. So it's kind of just being a bit patient and getting right and trusting in my own body. So frustrating to miss football because obviously I don't want to miss games. But obviously the the overall aim is the Euros and to get back as sharp as I possibly can for that.
0: Yes, please. We would all like you back.
1: I think it's important that you kind of for me it's just about focusing and what I can do and yeah. being a good captain at City and even though I'm not playing, still being an influence off the pitch and being around the girls, and hopefully we can lift a few trophies this year.
0: And tell me, was it uh, was it like an acute injury, or was it is it sort of you know over the long term what happened?
1: I'm not sure yet. It's just obviously a little bit. I come back a little bit too early off my last yeah. one, so we're just managing it at the moment.
0: And what does managing mean? Are you on your what bike, or how does that what what do you have to do?
1: Oh, me and the what bike are best friends. To be fair, are you? No, I I think. Obviously, I'm an athlete that whenever I'm not able to run at the minute, I think it's about working as hard as I possibly can to keep on my fitness. And to be fair, the walk bike has been a godsend over the last few months. And yeah, we've, we've definitely become best friends. Where does the walk bike live? Is it in your, where is it, in your sitting room? It's in the conservatory. So obviously during lockdown, I had the walk bike before that, so it's always been there. But obviously the conservatory has been ch- turned into a little gym which has got everything that I need in there and what bike's right in the middle of it, taking centre stage. So we've, we've had some good times and some bad times. I think ultimately it's it's worth it because when I get back on the pitch, I'm so much fitter and it's easier tra- to transition than not doing anything on a, doing the sessions.
0: I'm going to ask you, what are the bad times?
1: Oh God, the, them watts are not good. When the watts are high and it's it's a long session, it's tough. Quads, quads are burning, but yeah, I think... I've actually really enjoyed being on it. I know that sounds a bit weird, but I think for me, I want to work hard and I want to push myself and I've definitely improved a lot in terms of, my output and my power especially over the last few months getting used to it and being on it every day so
0: anybody who does any kind of sport will most of us have had an injury and I know from my personal experience and I've had really good news today I thought I couldn't run and I've had really good news so I'm kind of on the opposite end of you oh,
1: wow.
0: <laughs> oh god it sounds, it's ridiculous isn't it how, yeah. how it's very emotional isn't
1: it yeah it's very mentally challenging I think because obviously you want to do something and you can't and it's like right okay be patient and yeah, my agent will tell you I'm not very, very patient at all. So
0: I catastrophize. I'm like, I'm never going to be able to run again. Yes, you yeah. know what? I actually can. <laughs> but is that so? Do you have somebody who helps you with that or are you, have you got strategies?
1: Yeah, I think for me, I'm very good at like once I get my plan, it's just kind of like, okay, let's attack the plan, do everything properly, just kind of make sure I'm doing everything that I possibly can to get back on the pitch. But also when I am fit, just make sure I keep fit as as much as I can so but yeah I think there is moments when you kind of panic or when maybe things are not certain that you' kind of like, oh my God, like when am I going to be back or what does this mean? What does that word mean? How long will it take? But yeah, I think that helps when you have a lot of people around you, a lot of good people and obviously I sound off to Stephen quite a lot and obviously my agent and you obviously listen to the expert ex- advice is just trusting in them people that they're going to get you back to fitness.
0: So for other people who are going through injury, you talked about sort of sticking to the plan. Would that be your best advice?
1: Yeah, I think for me, sticking to the plan, but also there's always ways to do something else. I think for me, I think people just think when they're injured, they don't have to do anything. But the way that I attack rehab is kind of like, okay, well, what else can I improve on is the ways that we can improve on, say, for example, my strength or whether it might be mobility or whatever it could be. I, I obviously do a lot of Pilates, which is that do helps you me, like zoning out and just having an hour to myself just to kind of relax? So there's different ways that you can, and I'm like, okay, well, if I can't do that, what can I do? Like that's my type of mindset. And once you've kind of sat down and sorted out what you want to do, it's kind of just like, okay, well, I'll stick to it and just give it everything. I tell me
0: about Pilates because you can do lots of different types of Pilates, can't you? you? Can do it with machines. You can do it not with machines. What kind of Pilates do you do?
1: At the moment, it's a lot of floor work because I do it on Zoom with a teacher in Birmingham. So obviously with COVID, that was when I first started doing it with the team. And then from then on, I kind of carried it on. And I actually had my first real-life session with her last Sunday. So we actually worked on the Reformer for the first time. Well, very hard. Evenly very tough. So, but yeah, she's an amazing teacher. And I think it's just find different ways that you can keep your body strong and mobile Mm. and controlled without just lifting heavy weights all the time.
0: This podcast is brought to you by WatchBike. Push your performance this year with WatchBike. Whether you're training for a sportive or simply want to get fitter, the award-winning smart bike, WatchBike Atom, could be your perfect training partner. With integrated gear shifters, real ride feel and gold standard accuracy, this is the ultimate indoor bike to kickstart your indoor training. You can measure and track your cycling performance on the free WatchBike Hub app, And get real-time feedback on your pedaling technique too. Expertly crafted and designed in the UK, what bikes are tough enough to withstand elite athletes in training while beautiful enough to sit in your own home. Discover how what bike can help you reach your goals this year. Just head to whatbike.com. So tell me about being captain, because obviously it's a massive responsibility, isn't it? And how did you approach that? You were young when you were first asked.
1: Yeah, I was just turned twenty-five or twenty-six when I got first uh, for England. And um, previously, I'd been captain of Arsenal for a season, which was yeah, I mean, to be a captain of Arsenal Football Club with the players that they had was pretty special. To see the manager put trust in us was amazing. So, to get the England captaincy and to be Man City captain is a big ask. Obviously, a massive honour, a big privilege, but. Ultimately, it was a massive learning curve for me from the beginning. I think leadership is a big thing. And I think the most important lesson is just to be yourself and to kind of be true to yourself. And I think then first six months of captaincy with England, I think there were so many opinions about whether I should be captain because of my age and obviously the likes of a few amazing players that probably I look up to as leaders and captains of the team. So I think there was a lot of noise around it and looking back I should never really have listened to that and I think I should just be myself more but I I had to put the work in I I really did I think the psychologist in England at the time was really helpful in that sense and allowed us to gain confidence in who I was and how I wanted to lead and a lot of that is leading by example I think on and off the pitch and being quite consistent with my behaviour knowing what you're kind of going to get from us every day so it was tough at first but I think over the years you learn so much about yourself and different people and different environments that you've just got to keep evolving as everybody else does
0: and that'll be relevant for anybody who's you know running a team in an office or even running a house <laughs> wouldn't it Yeah. because it's not something you're I mean I don't know how much you, you say you had to help psychologists but it's you know it's not something you're necessarily trained for is it Do you see what I mean it's a big responsibility without much kind of you know, it's not like you go to school to be captain, is it?
1: No, I, th- I think people either do have it and people can lead in different ways. And I was fortunate when I was younger to be captain of a lot of younger teams that I played for and for the England youth teams as well. And But then I didn't ever look at myself like that. I just wanted to do my best every single game. I just wanted to train as hard as I possibly could. And that was the only way that I kind of knew. So I think say for example, Stephen Gerrard is a captain like that he just kind of leads by example with the way that he plays and how he is as a person so different managers like different types of captains, but it was never something when I was like oh I'm dying to be captain if it happened it happened and I'm fortunate enough that it has happened and I've had some amazing experience by whilst doing it talk us
0: over your your favorite moments on the pitch you met you mentioned the the bronze medal there was that is that your favorite or how, how would you judge things?
1: I'm fortunate to have a lot of good moments. World Cup bronze was was pretty special just because of the journey that we've been on and the expectation levels were very low back then. I think, obviously, Olympics 2012, scoring against Brazil was probably a real life-changing moment in many ways than one. So I think just in terms of for women's football, that was amazing. And obviously, I played at Wembley and won FA Cups and... One leagues with four. I love cars. that,
0: obviously. I mean, it's, it's fabulous. Your record is fabulous.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, and I think the captaincy was probably the biggest moment in my career. I think to be named England captain and to play for your country is a dream come true.
0: Mm. Obviously, it changes your relationship with people as well when you become captain, doesn't it? How was that?
1: Yeah, it does. To be frank, I think, obviously, in sport, in normal life, I think, obviously, jealousy is probably a word that I'd probably maybe associate with my first couple of years as captain I think there was so much going on in terms of women's football in general so there was a lot of changes and it was obviously new to a lot of people so yeah I think I had probably my fair share of that and that probably happens when you are successful and but I think the order that you get and I think it's just about blocking that out and I have had some And I have still got some amazing teammates that back me 100% and give me confidence and really trust in my advice that I give them and the energy that I do bring. So I'm very fortunate that I've been able to see both sides. But yeah, I think there's some things that I did probably think about too much when I was a bit younger, but now it's kind of like it is what it is. You just got to kind of focus and stay in your lane and just do the best that you can do for the team. I think that's good advice to
0: everybody. What about, so blocking things out, what about the social media? Do you, How do you approach that?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously I have a lot of following on social media and I'm not really too crazy on my social media. I think for me, I like to focus and sometimes if I get into that stage of posting a lot or whatever I feel as all my focus is kind of not really on what I'm supposed to do. And especially now I'm injured, for me, kind of Try and stay off it as much as I possibly can just because I just want to get back as quick as I can so I think in some ways it's really good I think for our sport in general to be able to work with amazing commercial partners and to really build the women's game and to kind of get out the role models and the profiles of players is fantastic obviously the downsides of it is obviously people are able to have their opinion and entitled to kind of reach out and you read that but I think you've just got to take that with a pinch of salt I think they don't really mean that much to you. It's more about obviously your teammates, your managers and your family. That's the most important thing. I wish I counted how many times you mentioned
0: your family because it's absolutely key to you, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's what I kind of, if people say like, what do I play football for? Obviously I play football for myself because I absolutely love the sport. But yeah, there's no better feeling than them coming to watch you play and how happy they are when we win a trophy and we're winning games and, Their whole life revolves around my fixtures. And yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be there without them. And I think obviously people kind of see what people want to see on social media and people nobody really sees behind the scenes. And they're always there no matter what, through the good and the bad. And I think that's what's important because after football, they're going to be there for us no matter what.
0: That's the other thing about talking to anybody, you know, who's particularly in a team sport, the kind of sport you've done and done sport from a very early age. If your parents aren't backing you 100% and aren't getting up at 4am and aren't taking you to a cold, rainy pitch on a Saturday, you know, you're on the back foot. That's what you need, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely for my career, I think them early days were probably crucial. I think it could have been easy just to go, well, there's no point. There's no teams. This team's 45 minutes away. It's obviously got a younger brother and... He probably got put to the to the back, basically, and kind of travel around to watch me play football, which is, isn't is the best, but no, I think the sacrifices they've made to kind of take us all the way around the country to come and watch all my games and support us, we, even when I'm on the bench and I don't play, like, I'll never, ever be able to kind of say thanks enough, really. So, yeah, they were definitely crucial in my early part of my career and, and, and still are now.
0: And also, it's kind of not it sounds to me that they weren't pushing you, they were sort of holding your hand along the way rather than being ambitious for you.
1: Yeah, it was never about pushing us to do something. I think it was always like, what do you want to do? Obviously, I said I was interested in a lot of sports, which I did, and it got to the point where I was doing too much, so I had to choose what kind of sport I was going to play. And Obviously, I picked football, but ultimately, they never were pushy. They were supportive in anything that I wanted to do, and... Probably my dad is probably more frank in terms of football and giving us the honest opinions of the games and how I could have done better or what I need to improve on. But that's what they're there for. You you trust them and you you love the advice that they do give you.
0: Do you? That's so interesting because some people might not necessarily like that from a parent.
1: (laughs) No, I get very awkward if people tell us I'm doing well and I'd be like, well, no, but I could have done this better or whatever. I think that's always how I've been and I've always kind of tried to, Keep my feet on the floor, and I think that's important part of what I believe in is being grounded and kind of never really forgetting where you've come from.
0: And what about Stephen as well? Because it's clear you talk to him about the worries, and does he does he sit back and say, "Oh, you could have done this," or what happens with him?
1: Yeah, he's he's honest, but obviously because he's been a footballer, he kind of gets how I feel, and obviously the yeah. stress being a captain, and obviously it's an intense lifestyle, which is exactly what I like I, I absolutely love being on the go all the time but I think he's quite good at like taking perspective and obviously when it comes to my games you'd be like okay you are done well and then I'd be like right okay so if he, if I'm getting it well done from him I know I've done all right.
0: <laughs> That's so nice isn't it and yeah. um, it sounds to me that you are you're quite hard on yourself you push yourself hard don't you?
1: Yeah I mean you could probably ask anybody that they have probably seen you probably need a little bit of a break which is Probably when you're playing back-to-back seasons and back-to-back tournaments, it does take your toll on you a little bit. But for me, I wouldn't want it any other way. I think that's what gets the best out of us. Is if I'm kind of just pushing every single day. And yeah, you have to have that balance away from football. And obviously my family do give us that and like to go for coffee, like to go shopping. Yeah, I think once I'm in the building or I'm on the pitch, it's kind of like, okay, I'm zoned into trying to be the best every single day. And I feel happy and content with that. I love
0: that you like coffee.
1: Are you having cake with the coffee or just the coffee? Not at the minute. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> no, a little bit. Yeah, on day off. Yeah, you've got to have, them. you've got to get a little bit of chocolate or some cake. Yeah. Oh, what
0: do you get? Do you get a day off a week or how does it work for you?
1: Yeah, generally we would get a day off after the game. So, yeah. say if we play Sunday, it would be a Monday I and mean, sometimes Thursday off. But at the minute, we're playing like three games in a week. So, it's quite hard to get yeah. time off. So, when they do come, you just got to kind of take it.
0: Let's look ahead to the Euro. So, fingers crossed, all goes well for you. And what are the chances of England doing really well?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really confident. I think, obviously, with the new coach coming in, we've played well in the qualifiers so far. And, no, I think we've got a squad that's building, that's getting better every single camp. And, no, we've got some really talented players. And if we can kind of all get together and be as strong as we possibly can, I think we've got a really good shot of And of course, it's at home, so we have the advantage of the fans backing us for a change.
0: That's exactly what I was going to ask. I was going to say, how much difference can we make to you?
1: Huge amount of difference. I think even when we were in France in 2019, the amount of following that we did have, you could hear them and it does make a difference to a player. It's obviously everybody says about home advantage. It really is an advantage because the crowd can get involved and put pressure on the other team or really celebrating when you're playing well. And that gives players confidence. So. For us, it's going to be an unbelievable tournament, hopefully one of the best the Euros has ever had.
0: For you as well. I mean, you've seen such big changes in the women's game over your career. I mean, this is going to be a big moment, isn't it?
1: Yeah, massive moment. I think, obviously, even by looking on social media, knowing how many tickets have been sold, everybody is so excited. And I think because it's been a long time coming and everybody's just dying to get this tournament underway. everybody's just like, right, OK, we've got, go. we've got to go as many games as we can. Whether that's England games or not, I think this country is going to host one of the best Euros. I really do believe that.
0: You, you make that point about we've waited so long. The, the excitement will be just infectious, won't it? And just tell us about, um, you know, because we've seen a big difference, haven't we, between what's happened in America with fit women's football and here in the UK. Do you see a point where it will be as heavily invested in, et cetera, as it is in America?
1: Yeah, I'd like to think so. Obviously, the likes of Barclays now have kind of invested in the WSL and Sky Sports are now showing the game which is a a huge step, which is what we've been saying for a number of years is that we need people to invest in our game. And I think, of course, this season is going to be one of the best yet. And for me, it's exciting as a a footballer, but also as a fan, I think, to be able to watch them games and to kind of see quality of the games as well. I think it makes it such an exciting project for us to make it the best league in the world.
0: And finally, final question, because I'll I'll let you get back to the rehab. but What would you say to people as a kind of takeaway? If they're thinking, right, they want to push themselves in a particular direction
1: for me it's probably about application I really do believe that I think it's like what you put in you get out and I think don't be afraid to ask people for help if you're not sure how to do that and obviously whatever formal work that you're in there's also a lot of stuff really good information on the internet where you can research and ask questions about certain different fitnesses or whether it is using the Bike, obviously you get a lot of sessions from the Bike app that you can use. And no, I think for me, it's just about application and getting into a routine and being able to just give it everything that you can give.
0: And what's the ultimate for you? If you haven't done it already, what is it you'd like to do?
1: Lift a trophy with my country. I think that's, that's the biggest thing for me.
0: Listen, so much luck to you, and we'll all be behind you, and I really hope it goes well. You've been a wonderful guest, and there's lots to take away, particularly just, I think, that, that hard work and application, that which you've clearly you've done all your life. We're going to have to ask you another couple of questions, but they're only quick-fire ones. Okay, so what song, if you have one, gets you pumped for a workout?
1: Swedish House Mafia, uh, Don't You Worry Child.
0: Wow. Okay. I'm going to try that next time I'm on my walk bike. Do you have a secret item in your pain cave in the conservatory? Is there a secret item?
1: My padded shorts, my bike padded shorts. I'll say that's my luxury item. I need them. I love this question. Who is your motivation? Uh, Stephen.
0: I thought that was going to be the answer. That's lovely. What does your inner self scream at when you want to stop?
1: If you stop now, you'll have to do it again anyway. So you might as well just keep going.
0: Who was your role model growing up?
1: David Beckham and Stephen Gerrard.
0: What motivates you to do what you do? My family. Oh, you're an absolute angel. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Push Your Peak, a podcast for real athletes who don't know their limits. Next week, I'll be joined by Leicester Tigers defense coach, Kevin Sinfield. Off the field, Kevin is known as Supercare for his incredible efforts to raise awareness of motor neuron disease, inspired by his close friend and teammate, Rob Burrow. You can find What Bike on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. To find out more, just head to whatbike.com. And if you like what you're hearing, I'd love it if you rate it, review it, and follow. It really helps. This podcast was brought to you by Watchbike. The Wattbike Atom is the ultimate indoor bike to kickstart your training. No matter what your training or fitness goals are, the free Wattbike Hub app can get you there. Check out Watchbike.com to push your performance edge.